Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, January 23rd. Today is National Pie Day and National Handwriting Day because they don't really teach kids how to do that anymore in school. Also, happy, happy belated birthday to our very own Gretchen Gailey, whose birthday was on Sunday. As well as Rico's wife, Jasmine, also celebrated her birthday over over the weekend on Sunday. And well-known cannabis activist Wayne Justman celebrated his birthday on Sunday as well. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms, especially right here on YouTube. And you can also subscribe to us on Rumble and help us get our subscribers up there also. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, let's pay a quick bill so we can get right back to the news. You want to grow some of the best weed in the world? Then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sa to see why our Terps don't lie. Oh, yeah. Coming up first, that's right. We have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lameet. Rico Lameet is constantly celebrating birthdays for his wife, taking her out to dinner, taking her out to prom, dances, you know what I mean? Shuffling, do the one-two, and then you can generally find him napping with his little young one sleeping on his lap just like in the tax commercial that's right if you haven't seen it oh my god you're gonna love it you're gonna love it because when you do your taxes that way you have time to do whatever in the hell else you want to do that's right it is the dope dad himself rico meat appreciate that jason i have no idea what tax commercial you're talking about just just wait you'll see it just they're, they're running it hard Naps with the baby, uh, baby girl on the couch are, are definitely uh, an item in our household. But nonetheless, my story today comes from uh, Bloomberg News by Tiffany Carey. Synthetic pot sales reached two, $2 billion despite safety fears. New data from Brightfield Group revealing nearly $2 billion of hemp-derived synthetic products were sold over the last 
two years. So Delta 8, HHC, and THCO are just a few of the names offering a legal path to profit um, for entrepreneurs looking to cash in on Congress's stalled federal legalization efforts. Each offers psychoactive high similar enough to customers as real weed. And manufacturers don't have to worry about the operating costs, regulatory burdens, or political fallout associated with Delta 9. Synthetics are federally legal in the U.S. and exist because of a regulatory loophole created by Mitch McConnell's 2018 Farm Bill. And they're cheap to make with hemp and attractive profit margins make the products tempting alternatives for ailing cannabis companies to dabble in, especially in states where cannabis is still illegal. Shit's tough these days for legal operators. 280E makes it you can't write business expenses off like a real business. The trap has access to better product at lower price points and pays no taxes. An ever-ending quest by consumers for higher THC content adds lab shopping to a growing list of expenses, burdened to small cannabis entrepreneurs just trying to keep their companies afloat. Legalization was supposed to be the ticket to financial freedom, right? Tiffany Devitt, Chief of Regulatory Affairs for California-based Groundwork, says in the piece, there are really high-potency products being sold in every corner store and gas station. They make a mockery of regulated industry and render it meaningless. Some state regulators tried and failed to kill the market, which skyrocketed two years ago when Delta 8 took off. For the article, 2021 testing commissioned by Bloomberg News to investigate reports of re, um, from reagents like battery acid and pool chemicals relieving contaminants in Delta 8 found heavy, heavy metals. Another study conducted by the U.S. Cannabis Council found the same leading to over a dozen states banning D8 and other psychoactive hemp-derived substances. But some well-known cannabis companies support the synthetic movement, leveraging the shady compound to their advantage and growing their brands in areas THC is forbidden. One highlighted in the article is none other than oft-polarizing fan favorite Cookies, one of the best-known U.S. Brands, brands who may or may not be owned by Terrasend, depending on who you ask. Cookies notably opened their flagship store in Manhattan's Herald Square across from Macy's. Though they've yet to receive provisional licensing to sell real cannabis, the company website advertises fully psychoactive and federally legal Delta 8 and HHC products as items available for shipment direct to consumer. Bloomberg said Cookies declined to comment in response to questions about the rationale uh, for them selling synthetic drugs or the safety of said products, but can't knock the house burn. Keep going, brother. According to a spokeswoman for Brightfield, Delta 8's the big winner in the synthetic sweepstakes, making up half of the market's $2 billion in sales. Synthetic hemp-derived Delta 9 is about 13%, HHC 12%, and Delta, uh, Delta 10 and THCO both bring up the rear at 8 the research firm's report also noted synthetics are not just affecting licensed cannabis, but also CBD products, estimating 30% regular cannabis users to have tried a psychoactive hemp product, despite several reports of the drugs liable to cause seizures, seizures and death, according to the CDC. At least one promising THCO company is the trend of its peers by doing the right thing, by listing potential side effects of ingesting their product. Eau Claire, Wisconsin-based Steve's Hemp lists potential side effects on their bottles as vomiting and seizures. But also, they didn't respond to Bloomberg's request for comment on the story. American consumers don't seem to care either way and continue to buy synthetics due to their wide availability and pricing compared to weed heavy. And um, Brightfield's data shows even in legal states, 
cannabis users uh, surveyed said that they're likely to buy Delta 8 products in the future. My question to everybody this morning is about the 2023 Farm Bill, a renegotiated version of the OG 2018 version slated to be hashed out this year in Congress. Will Congress actually seek to ban synthetic products as they are currently thriving within the loophole and responsible for $2 billion in sales over the last two years? Or will they find an excuse to maintain the status quo despite the warning bells ringing from every corner of the market? My name is Rico Lamit, dope as dad in the street. And, um, forward to seeing what everybody else has to say about this one two billion dollars <laughs> ay, ay, ay. um <laughs> where to start i don't know i i'm a little actually not a little i'm a lot disappointed actually to hear that cookies is selling these unregulated products in their stores and mostly because i feel like they're supposed to be setting the standard for what the industry is supposed to do and unless that they've taken these products out and gotten them gotten them lab tested and can prove that they're safe for consumption i mean yeah doesn't sit well yeah, with I'm, me i wonder is it is it their clothing company that's selling these yeah, uh, these, these un unadulterated products it would have right. to be how the, the business is listed in in manhattan they are a clothing company it's <laughs> the apparel exactly store, yeah. Yeah, the well, you, you run everything through the, the clothing and holding company, and then you can take 280E uh, exemptions. From exactly. It. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you can trademark it because you can't trademark stuff in cannabis because it's federally illegal. Trademark courts are federal courts. So the number one yeah. way to pr protect your brand in cannabis is to form a clothing company or a graphic design company and trademark your designs through that and then Absolutely. lease those trademark designs to your <laughs> cannabis company for a high amount of money. And there's a whole there's a whole deal you can do. Right on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not giving financial advice. I mean, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> but you're dropping knowledge. You're dropping knowledge. Oh, man. I like what Liz Rogan has to say. Being done. Yeah. Yes, Liz. I like what Liz Rogan has to say. She says, I see all these trap spots making dipped THCO joints you. out of hemp. What? Yeah. <laughs> but that's Texas. That's a, that's Texas world. No, that's no, not, she's not. No, California. she's in Santa Barbara, bro. What? Yeah. Yes. California, you're doing that? Fuck yeah, they are. Oh my God, oh, people! Yeah, bro. Come on, bro! You, you don't, you don't people heard me? We just got weed, you guys. We got weed. Yeah, we got weed. If you want to get higher than weed, we got mushrooms. Come yeah, on. but it's grossly overtaxed yeah. by uh, these regulators and politicians, and I'm not going to say any names, but they know exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. Overtax, overregulate, overcomplicate the whole system, and just make it so that unregulated products can flourish in the streets. That's right. Rico, as for your question of whether or not the new farm bill will actually deal with this, um, I think it will be. I know it is a bone of contention for uh, Mitch, um, my good comrade from Moscow. I do really think uh, he has a problem with it. That's what I heard on the Hill. He's not. He does not like how uh, the other farm bill has been manipulated. I was going to say abused, um, but yeah. <laughs> So, but so I, I would expect to see, excuse me, but to, you don't think $2 billion is going to be of contention there. And, unless they're giving the 2 billion to Mitch. No, I don't think it's going to matter at all. So I think he has no qualm shutting down cannabis at all. I think, I think he will definitely do something to shut down the synthetic market. I wonder how much of his hemp farmers are going to, are going to push back on him because, you know, Kentucky's a very, very large hemp producing state. And a lot of these products do come out of Kentucky and those are all of his constituents. So I wonder how much pushback he's really going to get on that. 
a lot. We'll see. Yeah. I, Kentucky is the second largest in the country hemp producer. I mean, in all um, fairness, marijuana merch ain't going to be up for a, a, a Colorado Montana. Is number one. Are you sure? I thought Montana was. No. You sure? I'm sure. You want to make a bet? I don't know. I'm pretty sure Montana is the number one hemp producing state in the country. I'd love to make a bet. Pretty sure about that. Or maybe there's more hemp grows square footage. They may not be producing hemp. But I would venture, they're, they're I would venture to say grower. I'll venture to say that they're not going to move on this and they're going to follow the money as we as they always do. And they're going to kick this can down the road. No. Why are they going to follow the money? Make Unless the money. money's going to Washington, they don't care. <laughs> I agree with that part, Gretchen. Unless dependent retailers pushing this bullshit. Unless yeah, there's a whole okay, bunch of money. The guy going... in the bodega has the money to, you know, also lobby Washington. No, it's not care. just the guy in the bodega. It's, it's these quote unquote flyover states that don't leave. And um, they've got plenty of this stuff to sell, and that's all they have available. I guarantee. All right, who else? You're hurting, wants to you're hurting small businesses if you take it off the market. If you think that Mitch McConnell gives a damn about Delta Eight, oh, I think Mitch McConnell it. does care about Delta Eight so much that he that he's wanting to redo the farm bill. Yeah, to keep it out. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think he will ultimately well, do that's it. That's what I'm saying, Jason. Back, uh, Rico and them seem to think that he's going to make it a thriving market. And I them. mean, people, sounds people like you are people wrong all the me. time. Sounds oh, like don't you, give people. Me, like, people bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you oh. cannabis lovers. I'm just saying, you know, it's just it's just weed. Matthew, you were muted. What'd you say? I just thank Gretchen for clarifying her. You people, to you cannabis lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what 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 do you think, Chris? From a from a law enforcement perspective, what what, what do you think? Do you think Delta Eight poses a serious uh, harm? And THCO or HHC or whatever kind of three-letter initial word or individual letter you want to put in front of it? I think one of the biggest uh, the biggest harm is going to be um, the ambigu- amb- amb- how ambiguous the rules can be around it on the local level. Again, I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times in, in uh, different conversations, but, you know, uh, how is law enforcement going to regulate it? You know, again, at, the, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're caught with it or, if, you know, you're in a state that it's not allowed – how does that shake out in states that are transitioning into the legal market? How does that, you know, pan out? I fall back on um, the internal memo that was released from NYPD uh, with respect to simple possession. So I think that there needs to be, you know, standard and, and very clear understanding of what's going to happen if if you were to, you know, be found in possession of it. But oh, just from a local, you know, law enforcement contact perspective. I mean, I just wonder what agency they're going to send into all these all these head shops and all these gas stations and clear out all this product once it happens. How is that going to happen? Yeah, honestly, how, I just don't see how it's going to happen. I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't see how it's going to happen, but I know <laughs> I know marijuana shit. Mitch wants to do something about it. I do agree with Gretchen on that. K2 and Spice are still available on the market. Available too. So yeah, let's keep it moving. If you ain't Green Street wheeling and dealing, smoking. The best weed in the world ain't no telling where he might pop up next. Could be Detroit where hustlers call him White Gucci. Down in Florida and Mar-a-Lago, spray tan booth next to wannabe dictators. Or maybe West Hollywood, world capital of cannabis tourism, where the locals call him El Presidente. But today he's with us and come to the stage with the next story. My co-host and the longest continuously operating retailer in the game, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah, Rico. 
I hope everyone's ready for my story because guess what? It has to do with everybody's favorite state to follow along the trail right now is New York, New York City, and New York's first cannabis retail. That's right. House and Grow or whatever the hell they're called. New York's first cannabis retailer is sued over website accessibility laws. The nonprofit that launched adult use cannabis sales in New York City last month is now facing a legal fight over its website in a suit filed by a blind woman claiming it's in violation of the American for Disabilities Act. Housing Works, the nonprofit that became the first uh, operational retailer in New York on December 29th, has a website that displays its product menu and other features. But according to the lawsuit, it's not fully accessible to those who are visually impaired, Law 360 reported. The suit was filed Tuesday in U.S. District Court in the Southern District of New York, and plaintiff Rashida Bunting, who is legally blind, claimed in the suit that she attempted to purchase cannabis from Housing Works through its website but was unable to do so because it doesn't have features necessary for blind residents to navigate it. The Housing Works website contains thousands of accessories, uh, or excuse me, contains thousands of access barriers that make it difficult, if not impossible, for blind and visually aided impaired customers to use the website. In a quote, she says, the lawsuit contends, in fact, the access barriers make it impossible for blind and visually impaired users to even complete a transaction on the website. Bunting's suit. Uh, Bunting's uh, suit states there's, in quotes, readily available accessible technology that can be used by the website designers so the site material can be read aloud, navigate the, uh, can, can be read aloud by software that aids blind web users to help them shop online and navigate the Internet. But that Housing Works has chosen to rely on an exclusively visual interface. And that, Bunnington maintains, is a violation of the federal ADA. And for those who don't know what that is, that's the American for Disabilities Act. Bluntening is asking for a federal judge to issue a permanent injunction to force Housing Works to revamp its website, along with conceptory damages and is seeking to make a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit, a spokesperson for the Housing Works did not immediately respond to a request for comment in regards to this. And oh man, oh New York, New York, New York, you guys want to tout, you guys are so great, so great, so great, but yet you guys are excluding the disabled people, the people that made it possible for you guys to be able to open in the first place. And I'll digress, and this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do you guys think? Do we have any tech folks on the team here for correspondence? Anybody a tech person on our team? I mean, I mean, I'm pretty techy. You know, I can send an email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This seems like a lot of people could be low hanging fruit for this kind of a lawsuit. Yeah. Oh, this definitely seems like one of those ambulance chaser um, uh, lawsuits. But I do think that it's funny of how fast it happened for this store. Oh, yeah. incredibly fast. They, the yeah. they opened a month ago, Let, right? They opened on the 29th. Yeah, you, not you, even a month. And this lawsuit came out on Tuesday, last Tuesday. Who was the lawsuit Fucking by? New York. In true New York style. It was by a blind woman in New York. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, this exactly. would be a case. This would be a case where a judgment wouldn't be uh, for for punitive. It would just be a judgment, most likely, to make the website. She said. She said she's seeking consolatory damages. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah but the the judge would have to. The jury would have to give it to her. Hold on, hold on, though, Matthew. But she filed it in federal court. All right. Okay. So guess what? All this uh, all this cannabis law da 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 ain't gonna it ain't gonna play. It yeah. totally disappears. It's just basically you have a website and you're not adhering to the ADA, which is a federal right. oversight. So I'll tell yep. you what, she's gonna win just by default, just on that. Yeah, she's yeah. I'm just saying. I, I think the only judgment is going to be that they'll have to bring their website up to speed on the. ADA. No way, she's going to get paid for this. She's going to get some money. Going, but, but sure. Other people can sue her. I mean, other people can sue them. If, if they well, they, they, they said they're going to try to make it a class action lawsuit so that other people can hop in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a great article to share for sure. I mean, I think you know we're obviously in a litigious society, and and lawsuits happen, and and they happen a lot more commonly than people I think you know, like to talk about or share. Uh, but I think that this is going to be a trend, unfortunately. And I also think it's a little bit unfortunate that, you know, a month into the opening of, you know, this dispensary, that this is what we're reading about. Not, not something else that's positive. Yeah. I got, I got, I got targeted when I first uh, launched my website uh, for the same exact thing by uh, somebody threatening to sue me because they're blind and they, they can't read. They my threatened website. to sue you though. They didn't actually yeah. sue you. And they didn't find it in federal no court, Rico. They, they were going to make shit. Like, <laughs> they have enough yeah. money. Like, so like, it makes them an easy target. And I would not be surprised if um, these people were funded by some of their com competition as well as mm -hmm. You mean You mean competition? You mean the competition? You mean like the people that are, have card tables outside? Or do you mean like the people that haven't opened yet? <laughs> I mean, about, anyone. Uh, Get in line, large, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, people who don't think that they're going to license or people that are threatened by their presence and them being the first to open up. I'm, I'm surprised that the, that the state didn't have any type of oversight on on this at all with them touting how great this store is and da-da-da-da-da and it's the first New York store and da-da-da-da that they didn't make sure that they had their ducks in a row prior to opening. I mean, I, didn't I think people are still figuring out. Blind folks, yeah. Sorry. I believe it was like, yeah, Beyonce was actually sued uh, for, not, for her website not being ADA compliant. Mm -hmm. real shit oh, so like man. there's the digital ambulance chasers out there but digital ADA compliance is a thing and um, yep. if you have a you know a public facing website something that you need to probably consider if you're going to be making money off of it so just heads up to everybody oh, yeah. I think available? it's important to understand too like you know people are learning here with you know sharing these articles and talking about it that compliance means different things across, you know, different playing fields, right? So there's obviously compliance with local rules and state state rules. And that's where a lot of people focus on when they're opening up their cannabis business. But, you know, this is another form of compliance that you must meet and achieve and sustain uh, to avoid issues, you know, and that's just uh, two examples, right? Or three examples, local rules, state rules, now ADA rules, but you also have insurance policy, things that you've heard me, you know, talk about too much. But, you know, compliance stretches a, a very broad, um, uh, it's got a very broad reach across this industry. I think it's important that we all understand that because these these things will continue to happen. Yeah, they're definitely going to continue to happen. I'm pretty sure they're going to continue to happen in New York too, where everybody's watching. I mean, isn't New York like the most litigious state as it is? I mean, outside of California, I think. Yeah, was, yeah New York or California. Yeah, yeah. that's that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm surprised that they even allowed them to have their website up without without it getting signed off by some uh, some administrative body. Because they don't know to look in that 
they don't know to look there either. I mean, we, we deal with this with clients all the time. Like, Hey, you know, the city came by, they signed us off. We thought we were good, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this is in regards to, you know, not being compliant, let's say for an example, with an insurance policy requirement or safeguard, you know, people are oftentimes that we have conversations with clients all the time that they're caught off guard about, um, you know, thinking they were compliant because somebody from the state or the city, you know, came by and signed them off, but that was just their one wheelhouse. So Nick, uh, Nick Bradley had a great comment in in the comment section, you know, compliance is uh, a bunch of things. It's OSHA, ADA, state, et cetera. Um, So really important to understand that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Very true. I think there, I think this lady is going to be very successful. I think she's probably going to get some money out of them too. She's going to end up getting some free weed, even though it's like a year and a half old. You know, so I just want to see. I want to see her tax records and see if she's been talking to say these MSOs. I don't think it's even by the MSOs. I think it's by ambulance chasing lawyer. That founder is like, hey, I think we can get some money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, listen, but, it is important to be compliant with the ADA. I'm not saying it's not at all, um, but you know, it, I, I I agree with um, Jason on this one. I think it's an attorney probably that was involved. Yep. Exactly. The attorney, the attorney went and tried to buy some weed on their thing to check it out. Noticed that it was there. He's like, "Hey, you know what? I have the perfect person to go and try and buy some weed, and we'll have the firm pay for the money, so you don't even have to worry about it." Get free weed, and she couldn't do it, and she couldn't do it. Happens a lot in the restaurant industry as well. Mm -hmm. Where lawsuits are again, you know, super common, and people don't like to talk about them. People don't talk about them. They don't openly share about that kind of stuff. But I think that that uh, things like this are going to continue to increase as we. We had them. Yeah, we had them a lot out here with with dispensaries for a while. With um, I think it was uh, uh what was it? Prop, uh, Prop sixty five warnings on the front of, on the front of uh of buildings before you walk inside. There was a bunch of ambulance chasers that was going around here, L A, uh, forcing dispensaries uh to put up some signage and whatnot. But well, shit, shit Jason. <clears throat> yeah, I was I was What's telling that? you like we were setting up our our webs. I was telling you like um, I had a client back when I was in finance. He made over two million dollars just suing people um, that did not have a handicap ramp and he made 25 million dollars two million he made over oh, two, two million dollars two like million dollars is still a great payday yeah threatening to sue people because they didn't have handicap ramps leading into their restaurants i'm in the wrong and business i'm gonna i'm gonna go paid. try to do that now yeah. he's proud of it too i'm gonna go find go find restaurants without handicap ramps since i'm disabled I'm just, man, just saying but coming up next she's a political strategist by day and a baker by night a true female multitask her who can not only bake up a storm but also knows how to make the sausage on capitol hill she's the founder of panoptic strategies and our very own washington insider taking off the apron and putting down her christmas tree is none other than the gretchen gailey you're on mute gretchen Happy birthday, Gretchen. Happy belated birthday. All right, whatever. Uh, I don't know where the Christmas tree crap is coming from. Thank you for the happy birthdays. Uh, Good afternoon, Matthew St. Germain. Glad I can amuse you. All right. My story is coming from Marijuana uh, Biz Daily. Uh, How marijuana companies are building brand loyalty by selling seeds to consumers. This is from Bart Shanneman. Uh, Several cannabis companies have added marijuana seeds to their line of product offerings, even though the move at first blush might seem counterintuitive. Why, for one, would marijuana companies want consumers to grow their own plants? Yet there's a logic here. Consider how people who grow their own vegetables also shop for fresh veggies at a grocery store or a farmer's market. 
Uh, Carl Gione, uh, co-founder of Trade Roots, said everybody who's got a home garden during the spring and the summer grows tomatoes. But 98% of the tomatoes they buy are at the store. If growing tomatoes makes them want to buy tomatoes, then I want to let them grow. An increasing number of companies are offering seeds thanks to a change in federal policy. The move can be profitable for some, while others are doing it to build brand loyalty and share genetics. In November, Berner, co-founder and CEO of international marijuana brand Cookies, announced at MJ BizCon the company would begin selling seeds for home cultivation. Cookies launched at Seed Bank the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. In an email to MJ Biz Daily, Berner said the launch broke some internal records. The demand is definitely there, and it's been strong. Berner's approach is to help cannabis fans take their enthusiasm to the next level. We want everyone to feel empowered to explore the plant and get into the next level of education when it comes to cultivation. It's more than just buying clones. It's about the experience from start to finish. Um, I could go into more detail about why you cannot now sell seeds across state lines and all that good stuff. Uh, but I would love to hear, especially from some of our folks who are growers, perhaps Matthew St. Germain, um, if you really think this is a good idea, would it build brand loyalty, uh, selling your own seeds? I think it's amazing to offer yeah. genetics in seed form, but it's also not like something that you're, uh, that you're, it's also very, e it's easier. Um, there's like a technicality where they're illegal, but if you, if you sell them for souvenir purposes and you write, don't grow these all over them, you can actually sell them internationally. And so there's a big, there's a big ability. There'll be a big ability for cookies to make more, uh, you know, not non uh some more tax exempt sales and have another tax exempt business wing but the other thing is you're not even giving away your genetics because say i have an og that i like and i take that og and i cross it with blue dream and i sell those f1 seeds you're going to get a variety of of, of phenotypes you're going to get a variety of different um, um children from that crossing but you're not going to get a single one that is going to be an og like the one everybody wants that's going to breed true the other thing i really mm -hmm. like about about offering seeds. Sorry, I'll, I'll finish up real quick. The other thing I like about offering seeds is it allows the the home grower the experience of the entire organic life cycle of the plant from seed to seedling through vegetative growth. And even watching things like most people don't know, like cannabis grows symmetrically until it becomes symmetri uh, uh, sexually mature, at which point it begins to grow asymmetrically in a spiral according to the golden mean ratio. So I think it's good in, in general. Do you think cookies is actually I mean, selling the Delta eight, their Delta eight seeds too? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think honestly, Rico, I think they're probably selling F one or F two hybrids so that when you splash your seeds, you might get a good clone strain that you can reference back to cookies, but you're gonna have no hope of capturing any of the genetics that, that Chris compound or anybody else has really created for them. I mean, I, I think, I think seeds is definitely a way to go for um, a lot of uh, companies to really get their genetics out there into the hands of the people so that people can be, um, can, can, can be using them, growing them, finding, finding the best cuts available. And at the same time, that's how a lot of these people win these random competitions and the, and these, and these companies end up claiming trophies for other people's work is yeah. based off of, based off of creating those genetics. And then they enter some competition and all of a sudden they win with that genetic. And now all of a sudden those seed sales go through the roof because yeah. everybody else sees that that's a winner and that it can produce and goes and buys their seeds. Mm. That's all true. Yeah, very much. Yes. So. That's why. Just, I, well, here's the question. Do you think it would translate to regular sales, like going in and buying flour, and buying other products from a company? No, because those do, people are growers. Those people, those people aren't, aren't trying yeah, to go and buy weed. Those people are we, trying to, we, trying to grow weed. I disagree. I, think, is, I still I, buy vegetables at the grocery store, even though I can grow one cucumber a summer. I mean, what are you talking about? I think because the average you're buying off-brand shit. 
Yeah. Go I, go I ahead, think, Matthew. Sorry, I think anything you can do to stoke your customer base is gonna is going to reward you with loyalty. I know as a weed smoker, dude, if you like had a deal where I can buy a half ounce and get a kaleidoscope and your weed is good, I'm probably gonna tell everybody I'm gonna come back and buy your weed. If you have some deal where I can get something, I get a cool shirt, it, it, not just to pimp your brand, but something that's actually cool and like like this, dude, this alien lab shirt, right? Boom. Yeah. It's just cool and weird. You can't even tell it's Alien Labs. And it just makes me happy. It makes me more likely to talk about Alien Labs to buy their shit. And and I think that any ads to the consumer and any love you can show, there's a message inside the cannabis plant of generativity and inclusion and sharing. Access. And yeah. when you really get into the cannabis plant and walking with the plant and the plant as a teacher and listening to it, there is a message of sharing and inclusion. And, and the, the brands that give away yeah. will receive more in return. Do you think that seeds versus clones are, are better for this process? Yes, because seeds can be uh, obtained by anyone in the U.S. or internationally. Um, know if you're looking for something exact and don't have the space or time to pheno hunt because clones are a an exact genetic. Re you know, it's like I cut off my finger and grew another St. Germain. Oh, no, world, watch out. So they're an exact genetic reproduction. <laughs> so if you want the exact thing, a clone is good for you, but. A lot of clone nurseries don't even sell into dispensaries. And so when you go to dispensaries, you have a very limited uh, yeah. ability to choose what clones you get. And a lot of these bigger nurseries are forcing exclusivity agreements mm -hmm. with dispensaries. So like you go in and Darkheart already got to this this nursery. Then you got a bunch Dark of stuff full of hop latent viroid and you can't get anybody else's genetics because they have an exclusivity agreement. So as an end use consumer in California, it's very difficult to get high quality genetics. I think Mandy yeah. should touch on this. Yeah, please. Yeah, I was just going to say that, I mean, I can only speak for the state of California and Oregon, but Conception Nurseries guarantees all of their clones to be disease and pest free. Currently, uh, for the last two to three years, they've been only selling to licensed entities. However, in the end of 2022, they actually acquired the Clone Guy Company, which um, has been providing sealed um, and genetically perfectly intact clones to dispensaries. And so now when you're in dispensaries that are carrying clones, if they say, you know, um, powered by Conception Nurseries, or if they say, you know, clone guy branding on it, you can count on those being safe for you to take home. So, so now is all is all uh, clone guy clones, do they fall under the same uh, guarantee that Conception is offering? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because the second that the clones leave the Conception Nurseries facility, which is, you know, obviously incredibly pristine, um, it's hard to guarantee them to be you know, disease and pest free uh, because they're going through so many different processes. But you definitely can guarantee that they are the genetic that they are. They've been verified. They've been tested. It is the cleanest and healthiest clone that you can buy in the market. Um, it won't have hop latent. I can tell you that. Um, but again, once the clone leaves the actual facility, goes to um, to the clone guy and gets put in packaging, man, there's always a little bit of a chance, but it's less likely, I would say. Yeah, I've sold clones to people and have them call me up and been like, yo, dude, those clones you sold me were full of PM. And I'm like, okay, hold on. So that was two weeks ago. Let's backtrack what's going on. Like, where are they? Oh, I mean, I had to keep them in my dad's garage for a week. Oh, okay. Where does your dad live? Oh, he lives on the coast by Fort Bragg. Okay. So maybe it was mm -hmm. like that you kept them in like 78% humidity with no lights on them for and two weeks. And now they got tons of powder mold. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 So I totally dig it. Like once they re once they're released from the facility, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a an open uh, question as to what could happen. But that's one of the things I like about conception is at least what I was seeing them coming to uh 
the the facilities they come in these little popsicle trays that have a a, a plastic layer that where air can trans transmit but uh, bugs can't get in so it Nothing at least gives else. you a little yeah. bit more safety all right guys we gotta go to yeah. commercial Let's we move. gotta move we got we got a commercial coming up Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you might get high at nine for 10 percent off your full order. The thoughts, opinions, and shade thrown at Hyadine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speakers, followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or any of its authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary responsibility or relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you are an easily offended person, just leave. That was a little quickie right there. Oh, yeah. This NorCal base. Top in LA, you know, in summertime. But it's not. It's like 30 degrees here, and I'm cold as fuck. But anyways, this NorCal-based dope dad, fellow dope dad, turned in his gun and badge for a blunt and a notepad. Never afraid to make sure that we are doing what is necessary to stay safe, to stay in control, and forget the fact that he used to be a cop. Come to the stage next. You know who it is. The man, the myth, the legend. And now a consultant at CC Security Solutions, Chris Eggers. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Here we go. Thanks again for the amazing intro. My article today comes out of Michigan. Uh, so the Michigan Cannabis Regulatory Agency, the CRA, uh, last week issued an advisory bulletin, which I'm going to pull up at the end of this article, warning of an increased, uh, quote, uh, pattern in reported criminal activity, end quote, related to cannabis delivery drivers. So the agency said that there was about 13 thefts from cannabis of cannabis products from delivery drivers in the last six weeks, including armed robberies during which product and vehicles had been stolen at the driver. I'm sorry. And the drivers were assaulted. The incidents occurred uh, in various cities across Michigan, Ann Arbor, Detroit, Firmdale, uh, Hazel Park, Lansing, uh, Westland, and a few others. Um, so the, the, the advisory bulletin, which they put out on January 17th, talks about the uh, increased criminal activity. So let me just read a couple of bullet points here. 13 thefts of marijuana products from delivery drivers in the last six weeks. Uh, from that data, they, they basically were able to say that most of these, if not all of these um, thefts and robberies occurred at the delivery address. Um, so, so if that makes sense, right, they go to a delivery address and then that's where, that's where it occurs. One key takeaway from that is... Uh, is very common approach, but that is pretty obvious to, to some people listening here is that these drivers are being followed previously, right? And so they want to know where they're going to land so they can go and, and hit these uh, hit these cars. Some of them are being broken into unoccupied and some are uh, armed robberies. And then it sounds like some of them are carjackings as well if the vehicles are being stolen. Um, another bullet point, some of the crimes 
Uh, yep, just said that. Uh, vehicles were were taken, drivers were assaulted, and uh, so that's carjacking and uh, robbery as well. But then what's interesting is that, that the CRA wants to fully remind you that licensees and applicants are reminded that the administrative rules require that you notify the CRE and local law enforcement authorities within 24 hours of becoming aware or within 24 hours when the license should have been aware that there was a loss or a theft of any product or criminal activity at the marijuana business, which uh, in the course of a delivery delivery would count uh, being at the business. So, I mean, it's good that they're putting this information out, um, but it's also just, a, I think my, my takeaway from here is a little bit of a quick reminder of them saying, hey, oh, and by the way, we can hem you up if you don't report it right away or within 24 hours uh, per the state rules and regulations. So wanted to share that. Obviously, um, it's not just Michigan, but we're seeing an increase in, in thefts, burglaries, robberies, uh, carjackings, et cetera, all across the country. Uh, offenders are typically following these vehicles, it's very, very common. Um, so be diligent, keep your head on a swivel, make sure you're, you understand what the rules require of you should you uh, have knowledge of or be the victim of a crime as it relates to your cannabis business. I wanted to share that uh, this Monday. I'm curious if anyone here has any thoughts or any of our listeners are from Michigan. Man. I mean, I feel like we need, you know, remember that song Rico from back in the day by DJ Quick? Because Oakland is just like Compton, fool. Well, they need to be singing that about Michigan just as an overall state. Yeah, Michigan, yeah, Michigan. I mean, yeah, they, they're getting it. Dirty Mitten, man. Mm -hmm. Dirty Mitten. Delivery service drivers are sitting ducks in a lot of ways. You know, this is a really big thing to take into consideration when you are a delivery service owner. Um, you have to put some training and energy into your staff on what to do. Um, unfortunately, these are like real things. And, and also, unfortunately, the people who are facing this are, you know, usually minimum wage or, you know, $20 an hour employees. They're usually pretty young um, and or seniors. I mean, at Canagram, we, we've employed senior drivers several times. I can't even imagine, you know, having one of them being attacked. But it's like if this is a real issue that delivery service owners need to prepare themselves for, just the same way that retail store owners should be preparing their staff, especially like on entering and exiting the building procedures when you're opening and closing. Um, mm -hmm. That's always the most dangerous part right there of the day. Opening yeah. and closing, most dangerous yeah, part of the day. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Ma Mandy, Mandy, with your delivery service, mm -hmm. I wonder, because I remember when I was a kid, I used to live in some pretty shady, shady, shady neighborhoods. Yeah. And um, there was a number of like, um, like we couldn't order pizza because no pizza delivery uh, person would come to our neighborhood because it was like banned because of high crime and whatnot. And so do you guys do that with your um, delivery service? Do you not service certain areas because of high crime? Uh, currently, no. I mean, we're pretty fortunate in Sacramento that, um, you know, not to say that we don't have any crime here, but we aren't hearing of these sorts of situations at this present time. Um, but it's just something that's a part of our training and our SOPs that we talk about, you know, what to do if someone is to approach you in the vehicle, you just give them whatever you've got, no questions asked, step away from the car if they need to take the car, like just do whatever yeah, they ask. Right, yeah. it's not worth your life. So, so your advice, your advice is, don't be a hero and come out a zero. 
Yeah, you, you, absolutely. You, there's always more weed. <laughs> yeah, there's always you, more you, weed. You, there's always more car. There's always more money. We can replace these things, right? Yeah, and, and but if, um, if, I mean, I think the takeaway here, really, if anything, is that we, as as business operators, no matter where you are, you need to be doing training around what to do in case shit goes down. So that's yeah. Jason, if, if, if you were as a business to do that, would you not be creating um, um, less access for people who actually need medicine? And that's that's not the point. It's all about safety first when it, when it comes to this. And, um, I, you know, I would, uh, I, I would encourage if there was that type of a situation, Rico, yeah. um, I would encourage that person to come in, come in with us, create an account, and then the, that person solely would be served. Right. We, and we would figure out some kind of a way. But, but what about but, the, but the rural areas, areas, though? You know what I'm saying? Well, like I mean, some... it's, the, it's the same thing that you deal with with Internet service at your house, Rico. Oh, oh, shut <laughs> Just saying. Hey, just no, saying, bro. Man. Come on, you know what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah, you like, know when you're in the like, hood, we were in, we you get certain service Chicago. somewhere and certain service yeah. you don't get. Just saying, like when we were in Chicago, we had food deserts, right? Because you had a bunch of uh, corporate-owned uh, um, uh, grocery chains that refused to put actually grocery stores in the hoods where they thought that they mm -hmm. were going to be safe out there. And mm -hmm. what it did was it increased the obesity rates and it increased like a lot more crime in between uh, those areas because people are just hurting and they're, they're malnutrition. And so if people <laughs> are actually getting treatment from medicine and the only way that they can actually get it is through delivery, um, you're adding to that problem too. So I mean, it's, it's a fucked up problem. I'm not saying that there's, there's, there's one yeah. way to fix it, but um, yeah, man, it's capitalism. I mean, bro. All, 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 all of that crime is a serious problem. I mean, look, look at San Francisco. I mean, Walgreens closed a majority of their stores in San Francisco because of all the theft that was happening within their stores. Really? And so, and and, and now, and now, all of those communities they they have lack of access to medicine on top of all the goods that Walgreens would service them for. Mm. Interesting. So, I just really hope that people stay safe out there, man. And um, just need to teach criminals don't shit where you eat. <laughs> <laughs> just saying what a different zip codes expand expand your horizons they don't have money that's the reason why they're stealing other people's mm -hmm. shit man i understand <laughs> that i understand that but you know, <laughs> you know. it's a vicious oh, capitalist cycle, vicious man. it's a vicious there it is vicious, vicious cycle you guys yeah. Uh, thank you so much for that, Chris. I hope everyone stays safe out there. Always remember, if you are a delivery service driver, always pay attention to your surroundings and do a couple laps if you need to, uh, just to make sure that the coast is clear before you exit your vehicle. Three um, left turns, you're being followed. Right. Three right turns, three right turns, three consecutive any turns, you're yep. you're 100 being followed. But that's, I mean, that's not even just for a delivery driver. I worry more about delivery drivers of them. Um, pulling into houses and then people already waiting there to stick them up, not necessarily following around a delivery driver. I think for distro vans, that is something more realistic for people to follow them. But I think delivery services are more likely to get robbed and like, Hey, we're going to order this. And when they get here, we're just going to pull out a couple pistols and take your whole bag and whatever's in your car. Yeah. You've got a guy waiting outside. He was pretending like, you know, Oh, we didn't exactly. even know, dude. Oh, oh hey, 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 got right us. here. Exactly. It's oh, like catching an Uber. Exactly. exactly. But gotcha. coming up next, thank you so much for that, Chris. We appreciate that. He's a cannabis wizard doing his damnedest to continue the work of the merry pranksters and the brotherhood of eternal love. Alongside this Hogwarts PhD in tripping balls, he's also the co-host of What's Good, the Cannabis Flower and Hash Review Show. He's also a host of Radio Free Earth and boasts 
over 33 years in the game for sales, genetics, cultivation, and it is none other than the immortal count himself, Matthew St. Germain. Humble thanks, Jason. Hi, everybody. Happy Monday. And this story is just a terrific one for me. So this is uh, the Lower Sioux turned to hemp for homes that are better for quality and better uh, that are better quality and better for the environment. So this comes out of Morton, Minnesota. There's been a buzz growing around hemp the last several years as loosening regulations in the United States have started to make it easier to grow, process and use the plant in a variety of products and projects. At the Lower Sioux Indian Community near Morton, Minnesota, the focus has been on using hemp as a building material to help construct not only higher quality, but environmentally friendly homes for members. There are 20,000 uses for the plant, and I can't think of a better one for our community members, said Earl Pendleton, the Lower Sioux Tribal Council Vice President. For more than 12 years, Pendleton has been learning about a product called Hempcrete that we've been discussing here a bunch, which can be used as a building material. The recipe is simple enough. It's the woody core of the hemp plant stem called the herd, lime, and water. Mix it together, and you have a compound that can either be formed into blocks, poured into forms uh, around a wooden frame to create concrete, or even sprayed like spray concrete. It can replace the many layers of insulation materials in a home while simultaneously creating a structure that is fire, pest, and mold resistant. It is a vapor permeable product, meaning it can hold moisture and then allow it to evaporate. It has also been shown to be a better insulator than normal concrete and similar to conventional fibers insulation, like itchy fiberglass. While it is not as strong as concrete and usually can't be used for load-bearing foundations or walls, hempcrete does get stronger as it ages, and in some cases, structures, structures using hempcrete have lasted hundreds of years. Hempcrete also has various environmental benefit benefits. <laughs> the hemp plant takes carbon out of the atmosphere, has been shown to be beneficial to the soil in which it is planted, and because it grows a canopy with leaves, weed growth is great, re greatly reduced, so is the need for chemical weed control. It grows much faster than trees, is 100% recyclable, and if grown locally, it may not have the carbon footprint associated with transporting other materials. Hempcrete is environmentally safe and a sustainable alternative, Pendleton, Pendleton said. It has only been the last few years that Pendleton and the Lower Sioux have really started to make progress in their plans for a completely tribe-driven hemp-building industry. It was only in 2018 that the United States even allowed for hemp to be grown for various commercial enterprises, such as food, clothes, and building products. About three years ago, the tribe took back control of more than 300 acres of tillable farmland and now grows hemp on those acres. It takes about three acres worth of hemp to build a 1,200-square-foot home. The tribe might also one day produce hempcrete blocks, which could then be sold and used commercially for building projects. Also, this spring, the tribe will start construction on the Hempcrete Test Pilot Home. It's a 1,400-square-foot home. It'll have four bedrooms and be outfitted with testing equipment. This will allow the project team to see how the Hempcrete reacts to Minnesota's temperamental climate and see if the benefits of Hempcrete can be proven. The, Sioux, the Lower Sioux got a, uh, a grant from the Housing and Ur Urban Development Administration to fund this program. Pendleton said it makes sense that a Native American tribe would be uh, one to create a locally sourced hemp construction business. It can be seen as a modern, modern equivalent of when the current members' ancestors were living on and also with the land. We have been historical caretakers of the land, Pendleton said. Here we are trying to use a plant for all it's worth and eliminate the problem with current products. With all the attention being put on climate change, sustainability, jobs, and housing needs, Pendleton feels the time is right for hempcrete. It's become a perfect storm for hemp to take a foothold in the construction industry, Pendleton said. And if you all remember referencing back, uh, the, the U.S. Uh, Department of Housing just amended their, their building codes that you can, so that you can use hempcrete in residential buildings. Uh, this is St. Germain for the Hyatt Night News on Monday, y'all. Thank you for saying that, man. It's, um, they're doing this because they're not beholden to a lot of these subsidies that a lot of uh, the rest of us are beholden to. 
you know, it would stop a lot of the. I, I think it's fascinating. They got a grant. They got a grant from HUD to 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 do this. That's fantastic. Yes. Wasn't there like right after they had to pay more taxes? No, too, it was probably a trade off. I don't know. I don't think they pay taxes. It's an Indian nation. Yeah, they do. They do now. There's, like a, there's a big story about that. Like last year, it was raised. You know, the amount they have to pay the government after they got their land taken, like all that other shit. Matthew, quick, quick question. Do you do you think? Because I, you know, um, they say they say that hempcrete is uh, flame retardant it and is. whatnot. Do yes, we sir. know if it will actually? Um, keep people uh warmer in the winter time like insulate yes. heat more. yes it has yes. it has a similar r value to conventional fiberglass insulation which mm -hmm. is yeah. you know like super hard to make super costly to make hurts people is toxic etc etc et yeah it's yeah. incredibly yeah. toxic so, yeah you can't really touch it either right it's messed, it's like bad for your skin right it yeah it'll, it'll, it'll actually fiber. yeah it'll embed it in your skin and gets all itchy and your skin eventually pushes yeah. it out this just makes me want to mention something else, too, in case there's anybody who is into development or developing who's on here. Like, I keep uh, driving by and seeing OSB. Uh, do you know what OSB is? Oriented Strand Board? It's one level below plywood. It's that, it's that, uh, it's not that plywood. Board. No, it's like plywood looks almost like head cheese. It's a bunch of strips of, of, of right. wood glued into, you, you can okay. see it. It looks different than regular plywood. Dude, it's full of formaldehyde and glue, and they'll just slap these on apartments and condos. Uh, as the undersheathing, and and then you just you just have this toxic layer that just oozes petrochemicals into your house, which are yeah, endocrine disrupting and 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 synthetic estrogen producing, and it just does horrible stuff to you. When we could be using hempcrete blocks, regular you know dialed down plywood, and and I think that this hempcrete story leads to a discussion that I'm glad is happening in the U.S. Where it's like, can we stop living uh, and walking with deadly chemicals and toxic chemicals and these forever chemicals that again are endocrine and 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 biological disruptors when it's real clear that there are safe to use biodegradable clean alternatives for all human beings. But it doesn't make, there's no, there's no money in a solution. That's we why have, we all need to eat mushrooms and acid. We have, we have, we have Leah, we have Leah from the audience to here to here to talk about this. What do you have to say on this Leah? Uh, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Um, the industrial hemp um, is so much more than we could ever even imagine. If you join us every Thursday here in Clubhouse at 6 p.m., we have the hemp building and construction room that we discuss these things every week. And this is how I've learned over the past two years um, about hempcrete, hemp insulation, hemp wood, um, hemp clothing. I have hemp shoes and hemp underwear on. Um, Get it. Yeah. You know, um, Liz knows, Liz knows. Okay. So it is also a healthier, healthier for people mm -hmm. like myself that have all these um, different allergies to different chemicals. Um, it is a healthier version and a healthier way. And the building and um, uh, codes are, are, are there. You can go to hemp build mag. That's with Jean Lotus and uh, Ray Kaderi. They are in the hemp building and construction room every Thursday here in Clubhouse. And I just want to say thank you all for bringing the news to us at Height 9 News here in Clubhouse and on YouTube. And um, thank you all for mm -hmm. everything that you do to uh, help bring the sacred plant and make her free. No worries. Thank you so Good much, job. Leah. And I'm so sorry that my 49ers had to beat your Cowboys so bad yesterday. Huh? Uh, it's all right. It's all right. I Cowboys going to win it all this year, fam. Um, Cowboys going to win it all. Yeah. Awesome, Leah. Thank you so much for the information. That was that was excellent. Thank much you so much for that. 
Absolutely. We can keep it moving on this. Yep. Yes, sir. Let's roll, baby. All right. Bringing us home today is a pot product extraordinaire and serial cannabinoid who's blaze trails and doobies alike over at Camille. Cannabinoid.org and the Women's Canna Awards competition. But you can also call this NorCal Base Emerald Cup edibles judge carmen sacramento because she's always searching for the globe for the best in the perfect cannabis and psychedelic edible experiences come to the stage it is no other than mandy tingler hey 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 everybody good morning today's article is just some more reasons why cannabis should be legalized the article comes to us from KTBS News Channel 3. This is an ABC network. The headline is, in states where recreational marijuana legalized, there's less demand for prescription codeine. On today, the Health Daily News says, new research suggests that there's one potential way to reduce demand for prescription codeine, legalizing recreational cannabis. Exactly what brought scientists to that conclusion? States that legalized cannabis saw a significant reduction in pharmacy-based distribution of codeine, an opioid with high potential use or high potential for misuse, excuse me. A reduction in the misuse of opioids can save lives, said lead study author Shyman Rahman. He said a doctoral candidate in Cornell University, Jeb E. Brooks School of Public Policy in Ithaca, New York, our research indicates that recreational cannabis laws substantially reduce distribution of codeine to pharmacies and overlooked potential benefit to legalizing recreational cannabis use. Misuse of prescription opioids contributes to more than 10,000 overdose, overdose deaths in the United States each year. Recreational cannabis is allowed in 21 states. Others are considering passing laws to allow it. For the study, the researchers analyzed data from the Drug Enforcement Admin's automated reports and consolidated ordering system. This tracks the, over the flow of controlled substances in the U.S. The investigators found an overall reduction of 26% in pharmacies-based distribution of codeine, but they found up to a 37% reduction after recreational cannabis laws had been in effect for four years. The research team found little impact on hospital distribution of codeine, though those policies are typically less permissive, and the laws had a minimal impact on distribution of other opioids, including oxycodone, hydrocodone, and morphine. Senior study author Coleman Drake, a professor of health policy and management at the University of Pittsburgh School, Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's School of Public Health, said this finding is particularly meaningful. Among prescription, prescription opioids, codeine misuse is especially high. Our findings suggest recreational cannabis use may be a substitute for codeine misuse. Cannabis and opioids can both be used for chronic pain symptoms, the, re the researchers noted in a Pitt News release. Increasing legal access to cannabis may shift some consumers away from opioids and towards cannabis, says study co-author Johanna Catherine McLean of George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. While all substances have some risks, cannabis use is arguably less harmful to health than the non-medical use of prescription opioids. And there you have it again, friends. More professionals, more experts, more research just in favor of legalizing this plant for everybody. This is Mandy for the Hyatt 9 News. Have a great Monday, y'all.
now now we just uh, put in the the lean business uh, yeah out mm-hmm. I, was, too. I was gonna say the same thing rico it's uh <laughs> there's a there's a there's a lot of folks in the hip-hop world that like to uh, drink either promethazine or codeine syrup and smoke weed and the more we smoke just like this it might be a yeah, just like alcohol it you know so reluctant to yeah to, it's to just like cannabis yeah, just like alcohol, when you smoke weed, you can't you can't drink as much. It's probably it's pretty much the same thing with lean too. I only tried it once; it got me. I can't do it. <laughs> how come the how come all the environmentalists never go after the rappers for using two two uh, styrofoam cups at a time? <laughs> <laughs> Double cup love. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Oh goodness, you guys! But almost a third, over a thirty percent decrease in opioid use. That's a huge number. That's it's a really significant yeah. decrease. It is. This is. These are the kind of stats that actually need to be said and yeah. used when you are lobbying, when you're writing yeah. a letter to your lawmaker saying why yeah. these things should be dealt with and regulated and legalized. They need to understand what this plan can actually do, that it's not just bullshit and people trying to get high. You really yeah. need to, we need to lean into these opioid stats a lot more than we do. And I don't know why think, we don't. I think somebody in the comments section I agree. hit the nail on the head. I think it was actually you, uh, St. Germain, saying like everybody's moving towards making money off of it, though, and away from the medical um, conversation. This is why like, I 100% agree with you um, on that uh, comment, Gretchen, that we need to amplify stuff like this and messaging like this so we can uh, make sure that the, the conversation is not lost around medical use on it. It saves so many people's lives and continues to help the quality of life of people. I mean, this is a simple, get this article link right there in the notes, copy, put, paste it into an email and send it to your local legislators. Yeah. Not your local, send it to your federal legislators. Yeah. Those are the ones that need that information even more with their fentanyl and opioid crisis going rampant by the pharmaceutical industry. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. You got this, Adam? Oh, yeah. Thank you all out there for tuning in with us for another episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions to the conversation. To our production team, thank you, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and the wonderful Jaja Simone holding things down for us over in Clubhouse and keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And also to our haters out there, bless your hearts. We love you so very much. And we will keep on motherfucking winning because we're number one in the world of cannabis news broadcasting. <laughs> it has been <laughs> it has been January 23rd, 2023. You have all been blessed with the best news, the top news headlines of the day. I hope this was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. And uh, make sure that you guys finally give love to the world of Cannabis Sativa L, which will ever 
be in in debt of your blessings, baby girl. And keep on moving and doing what we do. Y'all know who it is. Rico Lamy, the dopest dad on the street here with my man Jason Beck with another episode of High 9 News, Cannabis Industries' number one news network in the world. Got anything else to say to these good people, Jason? Happy Monday, everybody. We're almost through the week. <laughs> keep telling yourself that. It'll get better, I promise. Only, only four and a half more days. Uh, yeah, only four and a half more days. That's right. That's right, y'all. Yes. Bye, y'all. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>